Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. If you find writing your cover letter and LinkedIn bio painfully awkward, well then today's episode is for you. The best bios and cover letters come when the person has a really clear brand. They know who they are, they know what their brand is, and they're able to communicate that in a really compelling way. So we've invited Elise Greer, the bold brand boss lady, to come on and teach us all her magical tips when it comes to defining your brand and using it to write a killer cover letter and LinkedIn bio. Elise Greer is the director of Bossy Copywriting. We've worked with Elise on a couple of articles and it's safe to say that Em and I have permanent words envy when it comes to working with Elise. This is an epic episode with all the tips and strategies to write and to determine your personal brand. So enjoy the show. Welcome to My Millennial Career. My name is Shelley Johnson. I'm a HR professional. Hey, Em. Hey, Shell. I'm Emily Bowen, and I work in recruitment and customer experience for Forsyth's Recruitment and HR. And on the show today, we have Elise Greer. Hey, Elise. Hey, how hey. are you guys? Good. Thanks, Elise. Thanks for joining us. No worries. It's so good to have you hanging out, and we're talking through a few things. We're going to get to talking about how to write an epic cover letter and LinkedIn bio. But before we can do that, and before we can even think about writing uh, about who we are, it's important that we need to define our brand. And that is where you come in, Elise. This is your kind of world with bossy copywriting. And so just as a confession up front, I've (laughs) always, and Em knows this because I've talked to her about it at length and on the podcast. I've always cringed at personal brand. Yeah, it's been hard for you to get your head around it, hasn't it? Like I know that it's a thing, but I think it's the uh, – I don't like sometimes that sense of fakeness that comes with it if you're trying to exude a vibe or whatever. And so I want to get from your perspective, Elise, tell us a bit about personal brand and if you're trying to convince me to overcome my, you know – issues with it or whatever that is. Because can I just vouch for you and, you know, we'll let you speak in a second. Um, But (laughs) you are so good at this. Like when it comes, I mean, your livelihood is writing. So thankfully you're very, very good at that. If, um, you know, if I can be the judge, Uh, but also when it comes to personal brand, like I am all over your Instagram and I've like checked you out on the website and been getting to know you a little bit. And I just, it's like I'm in awe of just how well you do this. And, you you know, when I talk about that, you show up as a, a person. It's not, you know, this idea of fake, like you, there's just so much alignment between yes. you as a person, the way you show up, and then what I experience of you, even if I didn't know you, in the way that you write and, and what you present. And so I guess um, I'm super excited because, Shell, yeah, let's try and overcome this yes. sense of cringe. Um, but over to you. <laughs> Hey, wow, what an intro. 
<laughs> Thank you so much. But yeah, you're right. Personal brand gets a really bad rap. And I think it's because, like you said, it can come off as really fake or like we're trying to create. Can you hear that? Yeah. And I should say what Sorry. we what we want to so you're in Melbourne. Elisa's in Melbourne and we're in lockdown at the moment and Elisa's working from home. And tell us about your dog. <laughs> My dog is like the cheekiest dog on planet Earth and whenever I need to do anything important or have a meeting, that's when he really comes to life. <laughs> and this is just the joy of lockdown, working from home and all the dilemmas. So we're going to roll with it. We are. This is, cool. a real, this is a real podcast for real people. That's it, 100%. <laughs> All right, perfect. Well, yes, definitely working from home, getting very over it, but that's fine. We'll just keep rolling. So, yeah, like we said, it can come across as a little bit fake and like we're trying to create a persona that might not be super authentic with who we are. So, obviously, with me, like you've said, I have like a personal brand, but that was really quite unintentional because that's just my personality. So, I think if people think about their personal brand more just like their personality and how they want to kind of craft it into how they want to be perceived maybe in their industry or by an employer. So, it's personal brand is really just positioning yourself how you want to be seen. And that could be by the public, it could be within your industry or it might be by an employer and maybe you want to be seen as an authority in what you do or you might want to be the most professional in your industry or the most fun. So it's really just figuring out how you want to be perceived and then trying to reach that point through all of your content and communications. And in your words, why does that even matter? Like what benefit do we get from honing in on that? Yeah, so I think at the end of the day, everybody has a personality and everybody will be perceived by the public in a certain way. So if you don't control how you are perceived, you're just going to come across a certain way anyway. So you may as well put in a little bit of an of effort, uh, especially when it comes to your industry and how you work. So I think if you don't, people will just see you as maybe another person in that industry or another person, another employee in that company. But if you put in just a little bit of effort, you can really come across in a certain way and have more of an impact. So yeah, maybe you want to be the most professional. Maybe you want to be seen as the go-to expert for what you do. Uh, you might want to be the one that's doing everything really differently, which is kind of where I'm sitting. You might be the one that uh, is all about the impact you're having, whether that's like on people or the planet. And it's, yeah, really just controlling the narrative and how you're perceived. And I, I love what you said about your personal brand, Elise, has been kind of, it's it's just a reflection of your personality. Can you tell me a bit about what your brand is at, at Bossy and how you've kind of shaped that? Are there key words that stand out for you that are about like reflect who you are? Yeah, so I'm very casual and I'm very conversational. So when I started Bossy, the reason I kind of started it was because I wanted to transfer my really conversational writing style, which I was using for like online publications and freelance writing into copywriting for brands. So that was kind of the first step. I figured out how I wanted to be perceived and the kind of personality I wanted to have and it kind of incorporating my own personality into the brand too. So 
that was the first step and then just figuring out how I would do that. And then over time, it's really just developed. So, you know, on Instagram, I try to come across really conversationally and I'm quite casual and a, a bit more approachable than some other agencies in quotation marks. And then kind of just like figuring out what the other agencies or competitors are doing and trying to do everything the complete opposite to them. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, good. Right. Okay, so let's. Uh, it's good to hear how you've defined yours. And obviously, I know I'm keen to go on the journey of brand with you both. And so, if you were going to help me define my personal brand, what would be the steps that you would take? Like, how would you do it? And for our listeners who maybe haven't thought about this before, what are the things that you'd be telling them to do? Okay, so the first thing that I would do is start at the end. So figure out how you want to be seen or where you want to be in, say, three or five years' time and how are you viewed in your industry at that time. So like I said before, are you really professional? Are you really fun? So really paint a picture of what this person looks like. Even write down a story that no one's ever going to see and kind of like visualising what you look like, how you speak, whether you're doing speaking engagements, the kind of clients that you're working with and how the public recognize you so I think once you have in mind what you want that to be so obviously for me it was more so just a reflection of my own personality and being really conversational and a bit cheeky which is a big part of my writing style and then kind of working back from there and coming up with a bit of a strategy that gets you to that point so if you want to be known as really sleek and professional maybe you need to start trying to write some articles in industry magazines or get known in those sorts of circles. Or if you want to be really fun and millennial, maybe it's more about doing Instagram lives with people from, you know, like-minded businesses or uh, other people in your industry. So just figuring out where you want to be at at the end point and then kind of figuring out a strategy to get there. Another thing I would do is ask your family and friends how they would describe you because if you ask yourself, they're probably going to be all negative words because everybody's their own worst enemy. But if you ask your family and friends, they'll give you the best, most positive words that actually reflect you and then you can look at those and I guarantee you look at them and be like, oh, I had no idea that people thought of me like this. So you can kind of use that as a bit of a framework to kind of mould your personal brand. Um, The third thing I would do is figure out your target audience. So just like a brand, are you trying to frame your personal brand for your customers or the public or a certain employer? So this will really help you guide how you speak to that target audience. And then lastly, you've got to decide how it is you speak to that audience. So again, just like a brand coming up with a bit of a tone of voice. So some words to describe your style and then try to start communicating in that way. I know we're going to bring this home as far as an episode goes with, you know, focus on writing uh, and in particular cover letters and, and LinkedIn bios. But before we get to that, can you talk to us, Elise, about, you know, what makes up your brand? Because where my mind goes is to like, is it what you wear? Is it, we've talked about your Instagram presence. Like if I'm an individual who is either looking for a job or building a career, what do I actually need to get across as far as how my brand presents or what where the opportunity lies? Yeah, that's a good question. I think if you think of it more so as a personality, so when you look at your friends or your family, everybody has a personality. Some are really 
wild, some are really caring, some are really quiet, some are really cheeky. So what makes them that, those traits? Is it the way that they speak? Usually it's a mixture of everything. It's the way they act, it's the way they speak, it's the way they dress, it's everything combined. So just like we would look at our family and friends like that, we would apply, apply that same lens to a business how they present in their branding, how they present. So their branding is kind of like the equivalent of how we dress and then how they speak is the equivalent of how we speak. And then you, again, just applying that same lens to you as a person and how you want to portray, be portrayed in the public. So yeah, you're right. Coming up with, not saying you have to completely change your wardrobe, but maybe tweaking like how you present to the world um, and then concentrating on how you speak, whether that's through your Instagram captions or your website, or you might do some video content and then kind of just bringing everything together in one big pile. Consistency comes to mind for me. I feel like consistency is important when you're building a brand, right? And and authenticity. Like if it's not you, you wouldn't have a personal brand that's really opposite to the kind of person you are. And I think that's where the whole uh, bad rap comes from because it can be perceived as a little bit fake and disingenuine but if you are choosing a personal brand that's aligned with your personal your personality or you're just amplifying your personality then it's always going to be authentic and it's always going to be you it just might be a slightly better version of you and and so on that slightly better version because this is it's really interesting hearing you talk about it and go it needs to be authentic and real and aligned with who you are but how f- I was just thinking as you're talking, how many brands you see out there. I was looking actually, there was this uh, f- like a tax agency that I, I drove past and I looked at their brand, their signage. I'm like, that is the worst signage I've ever seen. Like that looks like a kid's drawn that. And it's like for a tax, like a, an accounting firm. I'm like, it's just very weirdly off brand and strange. And so I'm analyzing a business and thinking their brand needs to be better. <laughs> Are you mm-hmm. thinking about that in terms of personal brand? Like, because I, I guess I'm, I'm hearing you say be authentic, but also I'm conscious that I'm judging businesses' brands all the time. Is, and if I can just insert in here, and I might be about to get a bit real and we'll edit this if it doesn't come out right, but is it a bit like when someone turns up for an interview and you judge them for what they wear? Yeah. I don't know. Everyone weigh in. Yeah, I think we all judge a book by its cover. Mm. That's just life. Like you know, usually know within the first five seconds of meeting someone whether you click with them or whether you you like their personality. And at the end of the day, like everybody does judge a book. If you do go to an interview, you are going to be judged by the way you present. And that's why they always say to, you know, really think about what you wear to an interview because it's really important. So I think definitely on the branding aspect, and we were just talking earlier about been quite polarizing so bossy I've kind of built bossy to be a bit polarizing and it's actually worked in my favor because it helps me attract the people I want to work with and the actual individuals that I really align with and click with and it helps me to not work with all the people that might not understand what I'm going for so I think it's fine to be polarizing and fine not to be everybody's cup of tea because it helps you to attract the the target audience that you're actually trying to work with. And so going back to then if you so everyone has a brand whether they like it or not. Yep. And so yep. if you're not controlling the narrative you, it's there but it's just it, it it might be like that tax agency I was saying that just looks really crappy and I would never want to go to. But you're possibly also missing an opportunity. Like not only are you not maybe controlling your brand, you might actually be missing opportunities 
that I don't know that I guess it's the, just the flip side. Maybe I'm trying to be more positive, but well, and so what what would you do then? Like as someone who works in this branding space to help someone tweak it to improve it. So it still aligns with who they are, but you're just making that it that bit better. Yeah. So, well, I'm all about tone of voice. So I'm all about the words, obviously. So I'd probably start looking at that and kind of reviewing how they are coming across in their all, all of their communications. That could be their signage. It could be their brand name. It could be the way that they talk to customers on their social channels or on their website or in their emails. So really kind of figuring out how they're speaking now and then why that's not really connecting with their audience. So yeah, it's always a really important step to look at your audience first because a lot of people just think, oh, I just want to attract everybody. Like everybody's my target audience, but it doesn't really work that way because you're never going to please everyone. And so the best thing to do is pick a smaller, narrower niche and really focus on them and then adjust your uh, communications and your tone of voice and your branding to suit those those people so you're actually attracting them and not the people that you don't really care about. So I'm just – I keep thinking about you, Shell, and I'm like, okay, we're kind of using you. You're like, you know, take, a, take me there, get me okay with this. And then I just start to think, well, if you were applying for a job and you did need to write a cover letter or you felt like you wanted to revamp your LinkedIn – like where's your head at right now? And maybe we start to shift to some of those more practical tools. So Elise, now that we've defined our personal brand, how can we use that to help shape and build our cover letter and LinkedIn bio? Yeah. Okay. So I might start with cover letters because I feel like cover letters is a tricky one because you're you're speaking directly to an employer but you still want to express your personality and it's people get really stuck on this because they want to be professional and they don't want to cross any lines but they also don't want to come across as really stiff so i think here in a cover letter it's all about how you say it and not in not what you say so obviously with a cover letter, you're usually going to include all of the same content. You might introduce yourself, you might sum up what you do, uh, you might summarize your experience, highlight a couple of accomplishments, maybe some of your key traits and what you can bring to the role. So that's what I usually would include in a cover letter. And what I would do is kind of like plan it out. So answer those questions and include everything that you want to say and then bring it all together into a couple of paragraphs. And then you can go through and start adding a bit of personality if you want. So as an example, I've written a cover letter for someone who's in marketing. And for her intro, I actually said something like, my passion and energy is obvious the moment I enter the room, or maybe that's my earrings. Cause she always, she's like the most fabulous person. And when she walks in the room, she like lights up the room and she's always wearing these amazing earrings. So I kind of wanted to start it with a bang. So it's still talking about some of her traits that can transfer into a professional role. But just by reading that, you're like, oh, okay, this person is a bit different and they're not, a, not afraid to take a risk and add some personality to their cover letter. So I think just adding those little tweaks where you can and writing in a just a more conversational way, you know, even though it is a professional uh, channel, you're still talking with a human and you're still trying to vibe with them and get them to like your personality. So it's important to be a little bit more relaxed where you can. Um, and then in terms of writing a LinkedIn, I've actually got a whole ebook on this. It's on my website, but usually what I try and do is focus on the headline 
And a lot of people see this headline that sits under their profile picture as just a chance to say what their role currently is. They might be an account manager at a PR agency, but nobody's really going to click into their profile if it's just going to be something that's not very exciting. And it's a real opportunity here to make it a little bit more of a personal slogan. So I like to focus on maybe what you do and why you do it, and then try and add a little bit of personality to it. And then in the about section, that's where people get really stuck because it's like a big block of text where you just have to ramble about all the good things about yourself, which everybody hates doing. (laughs) It's like being asked at the beginning of an interview, tell us about yourself. Oh, yeah, that's like, this is the virtual version of that. Yeah, it's (laughs) such an open question and you've just got the, you've got the floor and it's like, here, fill this space about yourself in a really nice way and that's awkward. Yeah, like try and be interesting but also be concise and, and be really engaging but professional. and But sell yourself but don't be cocky or overconfident. Yeah, mm. I think that's so good, Em. Oh, like it, those interview questions are awkward and I, the LinkedIn bio is that. It is, it is but it's in writing I guess, yeah. And so that does that make it harder that it's in writing? I think, well, I think that people really struggle to write. I think people struggle to talk about themselves. I think when you add, hey, can you talk about yourselves, uh, yourself, but can you do it in written form? It's like extra awkward. Yeah. Yeah. I think people really struggle with the writing aspect. I think with a LinkedIn profile, it's yeah, basically the virtual version of, so tell me about yourself. It's really open-ended and can be really confronting, but then there's that added layer of having to write that. So when people aren't really a natural writer, it can be really terrifying to just stare at like a blinking cursor and you having to write about yourself, all these glowing things. So usually what I would recommend is to break it up into sections. So for your about summary, I usually try and write a really strong sentence that entices the reader to keep reading beyond the first sentence. So it might be like a really interesting story or an interesting fact. And so for mine, for example, I start my about summary with, I'm Elise and for most of my life I've been caught in a heated love triangle between words and clothes because when I wrote the summary I was doing styling and writing. So it was a good way for me to tie the two together while also expressing my personality at the same time. And then usually what I would do is move on to maybe a summary of what you do now and who you are and then maybe touch on your experience and some of your proudest accomplishments and then maybe finish with some a couple of personal facts. So that summary is a perfect opportunity to insert your personal brand. So when you're talking about what you do and who you are, like you can just pump yourself up a little bit. If you want to be seen as the go-to expert, you can start framing words like that. You don't necessarily need to say that but it's a really good chance to start adding those um, bits in. So your personal brand kind of comes to life because your LinkedIn bio is another part of your personal brand. So if you're not really writing it in line, it's not going to be consistent. So you really got to start tweaking all the little bits to build your personal brand into one amazing brand. I've had experiences, uh, I guess, in my recruitment role before where I've read somebody's email, I've read their cover letter, I've read their resume, and I've met with them at interview or I've had a phone conversation with them and I've felt this real sense of inconsistency and it's usually what happens is I meet them and I go, oh, that wasn't what I expected when I read their cover letter. 
And it's okay. There's not necessarily a right or wrong, but it does just create this little like moment of like, oh, what is that? Because it feels inconsistent. And usually the assumption I make is someone else has written their cover letter for them, which is just an interesting experience to have. And what was it in that scenario that that you saw that was inconsistent between reading their cover letter and emails and then actually meeting them? Um, do you know the the particular occasion that has come to mind for me is where I I got really excited actually because I read their cover letter and for this particular role customer experience was critical. It was really important that we had somebody that was energetic and really oozed this people first, service first mentality. And so I've read their cover letter, it just screamed those themes and I have really high expectations every time I, I go into an interview because I want that pro- person to be awesome and I want them to solve my problem. The problem I've got is usually a vacancy, a job's not being done and uh, that has a whole ripple effect through the team and the business. So every time I walk into an interview, I'm like, I want this person to be so good. And so I got really excited after reading this cover letter. It was what it said, but it was also the way it said it. It felt, it energized me. Um, unfortunately, when I did meet this person they didn't live up to that they actually their personality was much more I guess low-key there wasn't a lot of energy they were difficult to um, they weren't a conversationalist they were quite difficult to speak to and had quite a reserved nature so that's not a bad thing and in many respects that would suit a lot of roles but for me it was more that misalignment between what I'd expected and what I thought I was getting Uh, when I was inviting that person to interview based on their cover letter and resume and what actually showed up. And for me, the red flag was the inconsistency. Caught me off guard. That's such a good example. And I think that happens quite a lot in recruitment where you see someone's really written for the audience Mm. and almost disregarded themselves. So they're writing to land an outcome, even if it's not necessarily the right fit. Is that something like – I guess, to put it out to the group, what's your take on that? Yeah, I think that's a really good tip actually. And one thing that's quite common is the inconsistency. So I think even if you were getting someone else to write your cover letter, it's still really important that you need to convey your personality to whoever is writing it for you and really confirm that you want that to come through in your cover letter. So it might even be providing a handful of personality traits that really sum you up. Maybe that's where it comes back to asking your family and friends how they would describe you and then making sure that the cover letter is written to match that tone. So that way you're you're not ending up with a cover letter that's written just to land a dream job, but it doesn't actually sit well with you. The other thing I would recommend is, again, consistency across the board in terms of like your emails, your captions, everything. So, even when somebody emails me at Bossy, even my email, even if it's to another agency or something like that, is kept quite conversational and a bit more fun versus something that's quite professional because I don't want them to see me on Instagram and be like, oh, I'd love to work with this agency. I'm looking for someone that's a bit more fun and different And then they email me and I write a really stiff professional email and they're like, oh, this is not really what I signed up for. So I think it's important to have consistency across everything that you're doing from your cover letter to how you're writing your Instagram captions, your online presence needs to match your offline presence. And that builds so much trust with that person. And I know, Em, you've talked about that before on the podcast of how you you actually try to make 
uh, and you've been, people have said to you, oh, you sound, when I talk to you on the phone, it's like exactly how you write in an email. Yeah, I have. Uh, that was actually something that was coming to mind as you were talking, Elise, there. I have had that feedback and I've taken that as a real compliment because I've thought how nice that they are having an experience of me that feels like me. Um yeah. And I think that's what most people want. They want a personal brand. Like the personal brand doesn't have to be a big personal brand that's completely different to their personality. Most people just want a personal brand that feels like them and that is conversational and approachable and matches the way they speak and act in real life. Yep, totally. All right. So I can't help but keep coming back to this hurdle of writing. Writing, uh, So many people, we've said it already a few times today, so many people are just not comfortable. They're not natural writers. And you make, you do make it sound really easy, Elise, um, which is why it's your job and you're awesome at it. But can we talk a little bit about how to overcome that hurdle? So regardless of whether it's a cover letter, an email, a LinkedIn bio or something else, what tips have you got as a professional writer for people who, for the majority of us, who really struggle with that. Yeah, I totally understand that it can be really stressful writing and don't get me wrong, even if I have done a lot of writing, it's not always easy for me. Sometimes I'll be staring at a blank screen for days and days and nothing's coming to mind. So I think the most important thing in my view is to write like a human. So a lot of people obviously do like to write in a more corporate voice However, most people want to have a conversational tone and be really approachable and just write like they're talking to a friend. And I think the the reason this is so hard for some people is because they're often working from a corporate setting and they're so used to writing corporate jargon and really professional emails that when it comes to trying to write with a little bit more personality, they really, really struggle. So I think when you're trying to be a little bit more conversational, the first thing is to imagine that you're talking to a friend or a colleague in your head and then figure out what you want to say and type it out as you go. Have a conversation with them and just type out what you're saying. So I even do that as well. Like if I have to write a story, if I'm not sure what to say next, I just start talking out loud what I want to get across and then I just start typing the words that are coming out of my mouth. Once you do have some content there, read it out loud and then see how it sounds. If it still sounds really robotic and stiff, then it might need some editing. Maybe try it again. Um, If it does sound a little bit more conversational, then perfect. You can just keep going down that road. So I think the most important thing is to just be yourself and write how you would speak. Do you feel like we put pressure on ourselves to have the writing that hits the page be the final version and yet that couldn't be further from the truth as far as what we really should be expecting of ourselves. You're so right. So first drafts are the worst. No first drafts get kept. Even if you're reading a story from a writer or content from a copywriter, I guarantee that probably wasn't their first draft. The most important thing is to just start. So just get everything out on the page that you want to say. And that kind of leads me into another point, which is plan out what you want to write. That's always a really good place to start get a list of bullet points of everything you want to cover. So I still do that if I'm writing a story or a blog post, even sometimes an email that I have to include lots of information. I'll dot point out everything that I need to cover and then I'll just start writing out each sentence and then I can kind of like bring it all together so it makes sense in one long story. So I think, yeah, people do get a little bit caught up on making sure 
that their first draft is perfect and they feel like they can't even start writing until they know exactly what they want to say. But the most important thing is to just put pen to paper or fingers to keyboard and just start and then see what happens. You can always edit it later. Sometimes what you've written the first time is perfect because it's all in your head. You just needed to write it out. And other times you'll read it and be like, this is embarrassing. It's going in the bin. (laughs) I'll try again. I even find sometimes when – so I – do that technique as well of jotting down like dot points or sort of topics uh, and then going back and fleshing them out. Half the time I end up starting at the bottom and then I do like a point from up the top and then I write the next bit and I end up writing all over the shop. And I remember I used to do that even with um, essays and things as well, just based on, oh, you know what, I think that paragraph or that's, that part of this is going to be easiest for me. So I'll start there because that'll warm me up and I'll just, I'll leave the hard stuff till later. Yeah, and sometimes I will write, say if it's a story uh, or a piece of content for a client, I might write everything I need to say and then I might come back and add an intro at the top. Mm. So the intro for me, I always like to make it interesting to convince people to keep reading. So I usually try and add in or start with a story or an interesting fact. But if I can't come up with anything at the time, then I'll come back to it later because often once I've actually written the story or the content and I know what I'm talking about, it's a lot easier to come up with something to intro it. Also, I think that people really struggle and this happens to me as well. I really struggle to start writing if I don't actually know what I'm trying to say in the content. So usually even if it's an Instagram caption and I'll be sitting there for half an hour being like, I don't, I just don't know how to start this. And then I start thinking about, okay, but what am I actually trying to say? And nine out of 10 times, I actually don't know what the point of the caption is. So once you figure out what that is and you can plan out the actual messaging or the bullet points that you want to include, it's much easier to actually start. I love that of actually, once you know what you're trying to say, boiling it down, that will give you that opportunity to write that first draft. I often find, because writing, I feel like doesn't come naturally to me. There's been times where I've like, I've text M being like, how did you think of this thing that you've <laughs> written here? Or you've put this thing on LinkedIn. How did, how did, how did you come in? Like, how did that even come to you? It's the best thing. And then, and for you, Elise, I'm interested do you have to get into the zone? Like is there some kind of state of flow that you have to get into to write? Yeah, sometimes I – it just depends on my mood. Sometimes I'll wake up and I'll have a million deadlines and I'm like, okay, I really need to get all this done and I will sit down and I will just have nothing to say. Or I'll start writing and I'm like, oh, this is so bad but I don't really know what to do. Like I'm on a time crunch. But usually I just have to leave it and come back. I feel like creativity kind of comes in waves. So if you're not feeling particularly creative or, you know, my writing style is a bit more cheeky. So if I'm not feeling particularly cheeky or funny, then I have to come back in a few hours or come back the next day and try again. So that's why the first draft is good because if if you're writing it, it kind of tells you whether you're in the right frame to actually keep going. And if you are, great. If not, it'll be really obvious and you can try again later. And so as you're reading, I'm just really, I, I'm loving picking your brain. It's really fun. I know, you're not even going to pretend you're asking for a friend today, are no, you? No, I'm, I'm totally asking for me because I love this stuff. Like I'd lo- I love the that when people are good at writing, it does have such an impact on the, on the reader. And so I'm like, how can I get better at this? Please help me. What are the no-nos? Like the things that you think, oh, I don't like when people what do that. good question. Or things that you should avoid when you're writing. Definitely cliches and any sort of jargon. So if it's work-related, yeah, try not to include any jargon or 
any kind of buzzwords that people just skim over because we're also over jargon and buzzwords. Yeah, any cliches I would try to avoid and any kind of hyperbole. So one thing, especially in career copy like cover letters and LinkedIn, lots of people try to use words like extremely and superior. So they might say they've got exceptional time management, but they're just trying to kind of like pump themselves up a bit more, but every single other person is doing that same thing. So I think if you're thinking a little bit more creatively and a bit more unique and actually thinking about what's special about you or your brand, that will be a lot more authentic and a lot more easier for you to write because otherwise those words are kind of just like fluff words and people skim over them and it doesn't really have an impact anymore because everybody puts them in cover letters or everybody sees them in content. So yeah, just thinking about things a little bit differently, I guess. Yeah, that's so good. And even I'm just thinking like at the moment in in the job market, we're seeing so many people apply for roles. So you really do need every opportunity to stand out. So instead of that exceptional time management, what would be something that you would, how would you reframe that if you were writing something about yourself and and were trying to be unique? Yeah, so I think that comes back to the planning, you know, not just sitting down and starting a cover letter, actually got taking a step back and thinking about it more strategically, asking your family and friends how they would describe you and really thinking about the traits or attributes that you have that you're really proud of and that you think make a difference to your industry or the job that you do. So once you have those, it's kind of building out those bullet points that you want to mention and then you can start crafting the sentences around it. So generally... Yes, you might have exceptional time management, but there's probably you could probably maybe give an ex, um, more clear example of your time management skills rather than just saying exceptional time management and thinking about things a little bit left of center. So yeah, thinking about traits and really coming up with a really solid plan and list of messages that you want to include in the cover letter first is always a good place to start. If I'm applying for a job, how much, uh, I guess, of a cue or how much of a guide should I take from the job ad or that company's website and how they write? Like, would I ignore that and focus purely on my personal brand or should I, given that I'm writing for my audience, actually try and, I don't know, not copy, but resonate with that tone? That's actually one of my favorite tips that I always give try and write in the same sort of tone of voice as the company. So yes, your personal brand is obviously really important here. But I think if you are applying for a job that you're really interested in or a company that you would love to work for, it's really important to mirror their personality as well. So before you start writing any cover letters or link, oh, sorry, you can, your LinkedIn profile is a bit more fun and flexible because that's just you and whoever sees it, sees it. Whereas a cover letter is more tailored to that specific company. So if you're writing a cover letter for a job that you really want, I would suggest going and looking at all sorts of content for that from that company, which you kind of should be doing anyway, because you've got to do your research. So have a look on their Instagram, see how they write their captions or their Facebook, go onto their website and look through some of their projects and even see how they write their about page or maybe their case studies and start getting a really clear idea of how they speak and their brand. So then that way, when you contact them, you can kind of mirror that and you're already on their same level. I remember when I posted my job ad for Bossy, when I expanded into like a network of freelance writers, I got so many applicants and the the difference in the applications was crazy. I had some that were really, really professional and they started with to whom it may concern. 
I didn't really look at those ones. And then I had other ones that were really, really creative. Like I had Spotify playlists, I had poems, short stories. So they had obviously done their research and I could tell that they were addressing me specifically and had looked at the brand to see what our personality was and then written a cover letter or a resume to match. And funnily enough, you're then thinking as the employer, these people are my people. I want to hang out with them. And so it goes both ways. I've often thought things like Instagram are a great place to even go before you go to an interview. So to take, uh, I guess, find some hints or some clues as to what to wear, how to present, because to your point, you can apply that spectrum of cover letters to when you turn up to an interview, you don't actually want to be overdressed or underdressed. Or if it's a, you know, jeans and a t-shirt kind of a vibe, you if you turn up in a really corporate suit, you're actually, it's that word polarizing. You're going to polarize yourself and it will have an impact. Yeah. That said, I know of someone who works in an agency and it's quite a casual creative agency and he wears like a fun suit every day. Like he's quite creative and they've said to him, you know, you don't have to wear a suit every day. And he's like, no, this is my brand. Yeah. (laughs) But even then, I think if, if that um, agency did share some, you know, photos on their Instagram, for example, from behind the scenes, you would still get a sense for, okay, this is a fun place to work. So it would be appropriate for me to write a cover letter that was fun to turn up in what I wear, which is quite fun rather than in grey perhaps. Exactly. (laughs) And I think it all comes back to just ensuring that you're authentic. You know, if you're not the sort of person that I'm not really a suit person, but if I was going for a corporate job, I I would do my version of a suit. Yeah. So just thinking about how you can tweak or bend some of the rules to suit your brand and really get your personality across. So you're kind of avoiding that situation that you were talking about earlier where the person arrives and they don't match their cover letter at all. Mm. Yeah, and I love that. There's still reflections of you in it and you can tweak it. So you've got the fun suit or you've got your version, which at least I'd love to see your version of the suit because I think it would be really cool. That's like I don't one. I have one yet. Maybe it's like a bright blue suit. Yeah. I remember the first time we met Elisa and Rue, we were on Zoom and she was in lockdown and she goes, oh, yeah, I'm just like in my – because, oh, that's right, I was heading into the gym and I said, oh, sorry, I'm in my active wear. And she goes, oh, me too. And I'm thinking, we have very different kinds of active wear. <laughs> you were like sports lux. And I was like, daggy, going to go and sweat too much. <laughs> Don't worry. I'm like deep into lockdown now. So I'm wearing a blanket as a skirt as we speak. <laughs> that's my, yeah, that, I love that. Elise, when you get your blue suit, send us a photo. All right. I will. Deal. So I think we've got time for about one uh, more question. So Elise. What would be, for our listeners today, anyone listening who's, who's struggled with either brand or, or writing their cover letter or LinkedIn bio, what would be one final thought or practical tip that will help them? Yeah, I would probably say just read lots and lots of examples. So if you're struggling with a LinkedIn, spend like all day on LinkedIn reading as many LinkedIn profiles as you possibly can go and read my LinkedIn profile, read some corporate LinkedIn profiles and kind of get a sense. You'll be really drawn to some and others you won't really align with. So that will help you figure out what your personal brand might be or the way that you might want to write your LinkedIn. Same goes for anything like if you're writing content for your brand, you might have a look at loads and loads of different Instagram captions or websites. Once you start looking at some examples, it will become a lot clearer 
what you're vibing and what you're liking for your own personal brand and then it will become a lot easier to write. So even now, like when I'm working with clients, if I'm working on something new for them, I have to go and reread like everything I've previously written so I can kind of get into that character again. So yeah, really, really important to just read as much as you possibly can. I've actually been known to Google best LinkedIn bios often because then, yeah, it actually shortcuts trying to scout around LinkedIn. I think you should do that. But if you're also looking maybe for you know, LinkedIn's best picks or uh, of bios or whatever. That's another way to try and find some inspirational ones. So good. I feel like there's been so many good practical things from this. I'm going to come back and listen to this episode multiple times, I know. Elise, tell us about how we find you and tell us a bit about your podcast because I'd love our listeners to check it out. Sure. So yeah, I'm pretty much everywhere. You can come and learn a bit more about Bossy at our website, which is bossycreative.com. I've actually just launched a shop. So I'm going to start selling some resources so you can basically learn how to write like Bossy or we'll just do it for you in a template and you can steal that. Oh, that's (laughs) so good. I will definitely be purchasing these <laughs> these resources. I figured out that people just, you know, it's great to learn, but sometimes people just want to do it for you. So I'll be helping you out there. I'm also on Instagram at bossy.copywriting. And yeah, I've got a new podcast called The Bossy Type. So it's all about building a bold brand through the power of words. Sometimes I talk about other creative stuff, but lots of career content and lots of everything else to do with copywriting. So that's on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. We love everything you do. It, I, you actually, some of your eBooks, all of your eBooks that I've read so far, I find myself just I read every word and I like that's unusual. I say that like that's unusual because that is unusual. Normally you'd skim, but I'm like, no, I'm going to read these seven pages word for word. And I'm just like there nodding and smiling. I love it. Oh, good. I'm so glad it was helpful. Yeah. So good. Well, hey, Elise, thanks so much for taking time out of your week to come and hang out. It's been great to catch up. And if you're listening on Apple, make sure you subscribe, rate, and review. We'd love to hear from you and join the Facebook community or Insta. Thanks, Elise. We'll talk to you again soon. Thanks, guys. Bye. Bye. We acknowledge the dark and young people, traditional custodians of the land on which our studio sits and pay respect to their elders, past and present. We extend that respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples who may listen to our podcast. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.